Hi, I'm Sissy Graham Lynch. Welcome to Fearless, helping you have a fearless faith in a compromising culture. I cannot believe we are at the end of the year and the holidays are coming. I know for myself, this can be a busy season and it can be a stressful season, but I want to um, talk about how we can have a heart of praise and thankfulness this holiday season. Also, stay connected with me through the holidays on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I just looked at my calendar yesterday with my little girl and I could not believe the date that we're already mid through November. By the time you're listening to this, it'll even be farther along in November. And it's just hard to believe how fast time goes. But the holidays are coming. And during this time of year, we seem to overcommit ourselves to a never-ending to-do list of things that never seem that are going to get checked off. You know, we got parties to go to, wrapping to do, shopping to do. And really just enjoy some time with family. I know for me, I have this whole list of things I want to do with my kids during the holidays. And last year, I didn't even get making Christmas cookies checked off my list. And as the holidays are approaching and 2019 is coming to an end, many of us reflect back on the last 12 months. Some of us, it was a great year. It could have been a time of new life and it can be a time of joy, move, maybe a new job. For some of us, maybe it was just a mediocre year. Nothing bad, nothing grand, but for some of us, maybe it was a really difficult, painful year. Maybe it's a year of loss, um, health issues, financial issues, whatever it is. So as the holidays approach, those emotions can be even strengthened a little bit. It can be a time of anxiety and stress, maybe a time of loneliness for many people as we reflect back on those that um, we've lost or missed. And for so many of us, it can be a painful year, and it's very hard to live up to the expectations that the holidays have to offer. But I want to encourage you, we're going to look at Scripture today, and we are going to look at somebody who sets a beautiful example that even in an uncertain time in her life, in a time that could have been very difficult in her life, she submitted her heart to God and she praised God in all circumstances. And as we approach Thanksgiving, you know, and our hearts are to be thankful and we are time to reflect on everything God has given to us and what He has done in our lives this past year. And I think it's a beautiful time that we have Thanksgiving in this season to be thankful and to praise God, to prepare our hearts for the Christmas season as we're really thankful for the greatest gift God gave us, and that was His Son, Jesus Christ. And we're going to look at the story of Mary, the mother of Jesus, uh, which is perfect for this Christmas season. And we're going to talk about praising God in all circumstances and what that looks like. And I'm not talking about praising God on those 25 minutes of praise and worship at church on a Sunday morning. But I'm talking about when you go home and it's just you alone in the room and just you before God and your heart is open and raw. What is your heart saying to God? Are you praising God in all circumstances? As we're going to read part of Mary's story and her response to the announcement of this unplanned pregnancy in her life, it was absolutely precious. And she was a young girl. Uh, maybe, you know, 13, 14, 15 years old, somewhere young. And it was wise beyond her years. 
And it's what our response should be when God calls us to do something or when we feel like God has turned our lives upside down. Or even when the times are good, our heart is to praise God in all circumstances. Many of you already know the Christmas story, but I'm going to read part of it in Luke 1, verse 26. It says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. And I love right there in verse 28, she says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be as you have said. And there was such peace in her statement. There was this contentment. She recognizes God's authority. She surrenders and she acts in obedience. Because have we ever thought how Mary must have felt after the angel came to her as this young girl um, betrothed to get married? You know, who was going to believe her? And what was Joseph going to do? What would her family do? Would they kick her out? You know, in this day and time, it could have been a possibility for her to be stoned or kicked out of the village. Um, And I believe she'd be mocked and ridiculed for the next 30 years. I don't think it was probably till Jesus performed his first miracle at the wedding feast where people were like, hmm, maybe that Mary was telling the truth all this time. So although... It was a big time of uncertainty in her life. And from her viewpoint, it could have looked rocked and her life could have looked turned upside down. But she trusted God. And it was that simple. And she said, I am the Lord's servant. And I love this. I read this in a commentary earlier. And it said, Mary models an attitude of 100% obedience and 100% trust in her service to God. As we go on in verse 39, Mary visits her cousin Elizabeth. And at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to the town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and was greeted by Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of the Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And I want to pause right there. And I love this example because what company are we keeping around ourselves, you know, when life gets hard? What friends do we have around us? Are they friends that are going to point us back to the foot of cross and get on their knees with us and pray with us? Mary goes and visits her cousin Elizabeth, who's also expecting the impossible 
with God, who believes in God's goodness and believes, just as it said, the Lord will fulfill his promises. And are you surrounded by people who believe the Lord will fulfill his promises with you? And I want to encourage you when life is hard and difficult, which many of us are going through uh, different trials in our life, don't surround yourself with people who are going to complain with you, who are going to nag with you, who might gossip with you, but surround yourself with God-fearing people. And what does that mean? People who take God seriously and who are going to go to the foot of the cross and go to this battle in prayer with you. Next is a beautiful part in scripture to me, and it's Mary's song of praise. And this is where she is just praising God in her prayer. And it says, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me, holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in the inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. And what I love about this is, first, it reveals to us that Mary was a young girl whose heart was saturated with God's Word. And Mary's song of praise, these are references back to the Old Testament. She knew God's Word. She knew His promises. And it's also a parallel to Hannah's song that she sang and prayed. So this is a young girl who, in the storm of life, and her life was— you know, in a midst of uncertainty, and she could have been scared. She got on her knees and she prayed, and she prayed out scripture, and she knew God's word. God's word is our anchor. When the storms of life come, it's a perfect time for Satan to come in our lives and plant those seeds of doubt that God has forsaken you. He does not love you. He has not answered your prayer. He's not going to answer your prayer. But what does Mary do? She praises God with his word, and that's what we are to do. We are to cling to his word. Psalm 119 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Also in Psalm 119, it says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. In Matthew chapter 4, we see Jesus triumphs over Satan three times with scripture. And it's God's word, as we have learned in other episodes of Fearless, it is God's word that we can use to correct, teach, and rebuke Satan who's coming against us and a world that's forever coming against us. And I just love this song of praise because it points back to God's goodness and it magnifies his faithfulness and holiness, just as we should do, even in those moments of uncertainty. And as we're talking about praising God in all circumstances, I'm not here to minimize your pain. Pain is real. And there is a lot of broken hearts out there. My aunt always says, every pew holds a broken heart. And it's so true. Everybody, so many people in our inner circles or our friends, we're struggling and we often keep that uh, kind of hidden or secret most of the time. But we have to evaluate what is in our hearts that's keeping us from praising God and pointing people to His holiness and His goodness. And this is kind of a fun self-evaluation test. I can never stand self-evaluation tests. I think in a uh, 
episode a couple of weeks ago, somebody asked the question, what was my Myers-Briggs? And I had no idea. I don't know what my Enneagram number is. Um, so, but we got to evaluate what is in our hearts. And I think there's many things that can keep us from praising God. You know, whether we're too busy, just like Christmas is coming up, many of us will be so busy cooking and baking and shopping and doing grocery store runs back and forth and going to parties and going to our kids' school activities, we will be so busy that we will miss the whole meaning of Christmas, that I have been guilty of that. A couple years ago, I was so busy speaking at Christmas events that I realized I didn't even enjoy the Christmas season. And God gave us this season, a time to reflect back on our life of the last 12 months and a time to remember his goodness and faithfulness in our lives. So are we too busy? Second one is, are we discontent with life? Are things not going the way we like? We don't like this and that. My grandfather said, nothing turns us into bitter, selfish, dissatisfied people more quickly than an ungrateful heart. And nothing will do more to restore the contentment and the joy of our salvation than a true spirit of thankfulness. And I want to remind you that as Thanksgiving is right around the corner, is may we remember the true spirit of our salvation and how thankful we are for that, that God redeemed us. You know, no matter how hard life is, may we hold on to that this Thanksgiving. But I also think there's like two major things that a lot of people struggle with in today's time. And I'm just going to touch on them briefly. I won't go into it. Uh, too deep. But one thing I think is complaining. We never see Mary complain in her circumstance. And when we're complaining, we definitely can't be praising God. Um, Philippians 2.14 says, do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like a star in the universe. It's obvious we live in a crooked and depraved generation. You can turn on the news. You can go on Twitter at night. Never go on Twitter at nighttime. That is the worst time. You will not go to bed a happy person. There's so many miserable people on Twitter. But it's obvious that we live in a crooked and depraved generation. How do we as Christians stick out from that? How do we shine like a star in this universe? And it says we're to do everything without complaining and arguing. And I guarantee for all of those who are listening, me included, we've complained and argued somewhere in the last 24, 48 hours. And if we're going to truly evaluate our heart, and as we look at complaining, we have to recognize where do we complain? Do we complain in church? Oh, how many churches out there are filled with unhappy, ungrateful, nagging people? We all know it, and we all know it's true. So do we complain in church? Do we complain in our Bible studies or our friends or your morning coffee group? Do you complain to your spouse when your spouse comes home? You know, I know so many women, and myself included, when I was not working, I would sit at home thinking of, you know, how bad my day was or how this happened or the kids did this. And I would just be waiting, looking at the clock, ready for my husband to come home to unload on him everything about my day and complain. And I remember reading it during that time, one of my grandmother's uh, poems. I don't have it here in front of me, but it was, we as wives are to privately cry and take our prayers to God. We don't have to take all of our complaints to our husbands when he comes through the door. Or do you just complain in the quietness of your heart? 
And what do you complain about? Your job? Do you complain about your daughter-in-law or son-in-law, your mother-in-law, father-in-law? Do you complain about somebody at work that, you know, maybe got a promotion and you didn't? Do you complain maybe in your time in your life and it's just a really quiet stage and you're an empty nester and your kids have gone off and that's a painful season you're in? Or do you complain about your home or our children? Whatever it is, we have to recognize what we are complaining about. And I love this quote I read. It said, complaining is like bad breath. You notice it when it comes out of somebody else's mouth, but not your own. I'll never forget the story of a woman coming up to me after I was speaking about complaining and praising God. She had tears in her eyes and she was crying. And she said, Sissy, a few years ago, my son was killed and I lost him. And I've been complaining every day since. I've been complaining to my husband. I've been complaining to God that has ruined my marriage. I've pushed my husband away. and It's destroyed everything I've had. And I just, I cried with her because my heart was broken. This woman had suffered the greatest pain any mother could ever imagine. But she allowed it to just suffocate any goodness and joy out of her heart that she could no longer praise God. And my heart just hurt. There's so many people out there with stories of brokenness. And once again, we're not here to minimize that. But we have to remember to keep our eyes focused on God and His goodness through it all. Another thing I think keeps us from praising God in all circumstances is coveting, or maybe in a term that we more often use today is like we compare our lives to one another. We never see Mary wish for something else. She submits to God wholeheartedly. How often in this digital world that we live in, that we're constantly surrounded by the images of the perfect husband, the perfect wife, the perfect house, the perfect clothes, even your perfect food. Everybody's taking pictures on Instagram of their plated food. You know, we're just constantly surrounded of these images of what the perfect life looks like. We compare our lives on Instagram. And I'm so guilty of that myself. The other night before going to bed, I was on Instagram and I was constantly like looking at people's remodeled kitchens and their homes. And first off, I just wondered how all these people out there could afford these beautiful, fully decorated houses at such a young age. And I looked at my husband and I said, in all seriousness, because I realized in that moment that I was kind of resenting my house and, you know, my kitchen and the way things looked. I said, Corey, I'm looking on Instagram and I'm truly coveting. And I wasn't grateful. I have a beautiful home and I need to be so thankful for that. Every time I put my little girl to bed, every single night since the day she was born, I remind her of how lucky we are to lay our head on a soft pillow with a roof over our head. And I realized that I was coveting. And coveting is so dangerous that God puts it in the Ten Commandments. That's how dangerous it is to our heart and to our soul. It says, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his or male female servant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. We're not to covet any of his properties or anything in their life. And we in this age that we live in are constantly comparing our lives to other people. But God knows that coveting will like twist our heart and our mind and our soul, and it will steal all of our joy away from us. And it turns our eyes from what God has provided for us personally. And I think coveting, it will destroy our spirit, destroy your marriage, destroy your relationships, and destroy the beautiful heart God created. In Mark uh, chapter 7, verse 20, 
says, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed. Other translations do use the word covet. Malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile person. It is so dangerous that God listed alongside murder, theft, and adultery. But we don't think about it because it's so, you know, common in our day-to-day life with commercials on TV and movies and Instagram and Facebook. We're constantly comparing our lives to other people and coveting things that we don't have. And it will destroy us that we cannot praise God in all circumstances. Mary, as in the scripture that we read, never lost her focus on her blessing and repeating that blessing to God, even in her prayers. So I think we, once again, we have to evaluate what is keeping us from praising God. Is it circumstances? Is it our timing? Are we discontent? Are we complaining? Are we arguing? Whatever it is, whatever circumstances that is, we have to evaluate it and recognize it. But you kind of wonder, like, how do I praise God even in the midst of all these circumstances in my life? How do you do it? And it's like Mary. We have to simply trust God. Trust His infinite wisdom is so much greater than our finite wisdom. Even when our heart doesn't feel like it, we have to praise God just out of obedience. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And sometimes that can be a really painful verse, especially for those in the middle of a huge battle, whether it's health or family situations. And you kind of wonder, like, how can this be God's will for my life? And how can this be? But I think it's remembering, once again, like Mary, go back to God's word. That is your anchor in the storm that you're in. Read Psalms. Read about God's goodness over and over and recognize it. But praising, once again, is not conditional. It has to be out of obedience. Because I believe when we praise God in all circumstances, that that's many of the times when our heart can, be, can begin to heal. You know, when we take the focus off the bad, but we focus on His goodness. And I want to make it clear that even in the midst of pain and uncertainty in our lives, and we're in the middle of these storms, that it is okay to grieve. But we can grieve and praise at the same time. We just can't um, grieve and exclude the praise out of our life because that grief will overtake us and we won't be able to um, bear it all on our own. So many people that are listening have tragic stories I cannot relate to. I might not understand. Um, Maybe you have faced the death of a loved one. You got financial issues. Your marriage is failing. Maybe you have a child who's broken your heart or a parent who's broken your heart. You got a sick child. You've lost a job. You're in a transition time. You've been betrayed. Or maybe there's just bitterness in your heart or there's unanswered prayers. How painful or unanswered prayers. But once again, I want to remind you in those times to always go back to God's word. And there will be times that we seem like we go to the lion's den or we are going through the fiery furnace. And so many times it just doesn't rain in our life. It pours that one thing happens after another. And Isaiah 43 says, do not fear for I have redeemed you, have summoned you by name. 
And how awesome is that? By our name. It's personal to us. God is talking to us so many times in Scripture. I will insert my name so I can remember that God is talking to me. It says, I have summoned you, sissy. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God. And I think that is so important to remember that God didn't send Daniel just to the lion's den, but he went with Daniel. And that God is with you no matter what you're facing and whatever trial you're in. God's with you, and he hasn't abandoned you. Even in the pain, and we know it's real, we're still to praise God in the middle of it. And I have in my kitchen um, this Bible verse, Philippians 4, 4 through 7, at my table. So we can remember at the end of the day, we're always to come back and praise God for for whatever we're thankful for. My sister-in-law taught me this game. I don't know if you call it a game, but with my kids at night, we do our peaks and our pits. We do our peak of the day. We have to name the thing that we're most thankful for that day and our pit of the day. The only rule is your pit cannot be about somebody around the table. So my pit could not be about, you know, something Corey did. Or for my little son, it can't be about Margaret um, because that would probably be his every day. Well, Margaret did this and Margaret did that. So that's the only rule. So I encourage you tonight, even with adults, and if you don't have kids, try to do your peak and your pit because it really will help you at the end of the day come back. But as I was saying, Philippians 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. We are to recognize whatever is excellent and praiseworthy. As the holidays are approaching, especially Thanksgiving, I'm just like everybody else. I miss family members that are no longer with us. And for me, especially Thanksgiving, it holds a special place in my heart. It's one of my favorite holidays, especially as a little girl. I have these great memories of my Aunt Anne and my mom doing the cooking and the two of our families around my grandparents' table. And our tradition was that we would go around the table and talk about our year and what God had done in that year. And so many times we would be crying and it had been a painful year or things had not gone well, but we always came back and pointed to God's goodness and his faithfulness. And I'm so thankful for family that set that example to me at a young age that we are to get our hearts right before God. We can call out and acknowledge our pain and our hurt and recognize it, but we're always to point it back to God's goodness. And we did that around our Thanksgiving table, and I'm forever thankful. The funny thing is, if we ever brought friends with us that couldn't go home for the holidays or something, how intimidating is that to be around a Graham table with my grandparents and my dad and my aunt and have to give up in speech? Because these were long. I mean, they would be like five to 10 minutes long. They would often tease of how intimidating that was. But it was such a sweet memory. And as the years went on, our Thanksgiving table grew and grew. 
um, more and more people wanted to come. So it, those are precious memories to me. You know, I was talking about my Aunt Anne and those Thanksgiving memories with her family. What a wonderful example she has set before the world, you know, of losing her husband and losing her father and then battling cancer and pointing back to God's goodness and praising him. It's been a really beautiful example. Maybe you're listening here and you're asking, like, how do I praise God when my heart hurts and I have such pain in my life? And I think it's pretty simple and I mean that not to like overthink it. It's like we just have to put it into practice. We have to do it out of obedience, even when we don't feel like it. I've been in chapters of my life where it was painful just to open up God's word of unanswered prayers and feeling like he was silent in my life and not even knowing what to pray anymore. But I had to do it out of obedience. I would close my door. I would get on my knees. And I would start with the simple things that I don't want to take for granted. Lord, I'm going to praise you today for the roof over my head. I'm going to praise you for the food and abundance that is in my refrigerator. And I start with the, just the most simple things in our life that we're truly thankful for. And then I go a little bit deeper and saying, Lord, you know, I'm thankful for my husband who loves me and who comes home to me at night. I'm thankful for my children and the help that they have. And when you start with the simple things— like that. And we recognize, like Philippians 4 tells us, what is excellent and what is praiseworthy in our life. We all have stuff in our life that's excellent and praiseworthy, but we have to recognize it and start simple and do it out of obedience. Because when you start praising God for his goodness, your heart begins to see him working and your heart changes from bitterness to thankfulness. And if for some reason you feel like you have nothing else to be thankful for this Thanksgiving and this Christmas, I encourage you to think again about the true meaning of Christmas, that God gave his one and only son for you. And that will help you sing praises in your heart to God this holiday season. One last Bible verse I want to leave you with is Luke 2.19. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And I want you to think of God's goodness and His faithfulness this year and ponder them in her heart. That is a verse that I am clinging to this holiday season. And it's a reminder that we should all do the same. One thing I'm truly thankful for this Thanksgiving is this podcast. I have had so much fun and I'm excited for next year. And thank you for listening and all your encouragement along the way. I'm going to take a small break until next year just so I can enjoy the holiday season with my family. But I will be back in January of 2020. Through the holidays, follow me on social media. I'm Sissy Graham Lynch. Happy Thanksgiving and Merry Christmas. Oh.